For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. Hi, I'm Mike, founder of DollarShaveClub.com. What is DollarShaveClub.com? Well, for a dollar a month, we send high-quality razors right to your door. Yeah, a dollar. Are the blades any good? No. Our blades are f***ing great. Each razor has stainless steel blades, an aloe vera lubricating strip, and a pivot head. It's so gentle a toddler could use it. And do you like spending $20 a month on brand name razors? 19 go to Roger Federer. I'm good at tennis. And do you think your razor needs a vibrating handle, a flashlight, a back scratcher, and 10 blades? Your handsome ass grandfather had one blade and polio. Looking good, pop up! Stop paying for shave tech you don't need. And stop forgetting to buy your blades every month. Alejandro and I are going to ship them right to you. We're not just selling razors. We're also making new jobs. Alejandro, what were you doing last month? Not working. What are you doing now? Working. I'm no Vanderbilt, but this train makes hay. So stop forgetting to buy your blades every month and start deciding where you're going to stack all those dollar bills I'm saving you. We are DollarShaveClub.com, and the party is on. My son was in the Army back during Desert Storm, but even then he wanted an MBA. He looked at a dozen schools, but only one offered the online education and flexibility he needed while he was in a tent in Iraq. Grantham University. Turns out that Grantham's been delivering affordable, relevant college and advanced degrees for over 65 years. Heck, if they can deliver a quality education to a soldier in a tent overseas, think about the flexibility Grantham can offer you so you can earn your degree too. It doesn't matter how complicated or full your life is. If getting a degree is on your bucket list, you'll want to do what my son did. You'll want to call Grantham. Find out how easy it is to get started on your education so you can check that college degree off your bucket list. Call Grantham right now. 800-910-1370. That's 800-910-1370. Flexible. Affordable. Relevant. Call 800-910-1370. Tired of paying outrageous prices for Viagra? Well, we have great news for you. Now you can finally get Viagra at huge discounts. Healthy Man allows you to save up to $500 on Viagra. Why pay U.S. pharmacy prices of $15 per pill or more when you can get Viagra for less than $3 a pill? Call today and get 40 Viagra pills for only $99. This can cost as much as $600 at your local pharmacy. You can't afford not to call us. If you want Viagra at the lowest prices, never pay $15 
$3 a pill pharmacy prices again. Get Viagra for less than $3 a pill. Call 1-800-516-7602 today and save up to $500 and get 40 pills for just $99. Healthy Man is fast, easy, and affordable. Operators are waiting at 1-800-516-7602 to take your call right now. Call 1-800-516-7602. That's 1-800-516-7602. Again, 1-800-516-7602. Attention business owners and independent contractors. This is a money-saving message from Tax Mediation Services. If your business owes $20,000 or more in taxes, we can help you today, right now. Listen, dealing with the IRS is no picnic. It's an intimidating and extremely stressful process, and you don't want to go it alone. Our attorneys know every law, every tax break, and every possible opportunity to help you resolve and reduce your tax debt. And if you owe more than $20,000, you may be at the top of their hit list. So don't take your tax debt lightly, because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-783-0810 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-783-0810. Again, that's 800-783-0810. The following program contains coarse language and adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to another episode of the Cocktail Lounge. I am your hostess with the mostest, Aggie, and with me, as always, is my affable, quaffable co-host, Brad Slager. How are you doing this evening, Brad? I'm sorry, did I miss my cue? Yeah, you did. Sorry, yep. (laughs) Celebrating, it's National Vodka Day. Same. <laughs> I'm actually holding my little coop and uh, I'm celebrating that it's National Vodka Day. It has been a long day. I need the celebration. Go. And uh, yeah. what was your potable of the night? Well, I, I actually did one while I was cooking dinner. Uh, the one that was featured for toxic... Um, masculinity which was uh the chi chi i made the that chi-chi. one mm-hmm. but tonight i am actually celebrating with a mocha russian because i had to break out the most awesome chocolate vodka on the planet and that would be <sighs> our favorite the mango chocolate vodka <laughs> well guess what i'm drinking mm. well it's vodka are you drinking the mango as well i am <laughs> Shocking no one. 
He's a, in case you guys don't know, he's the one that got me hooked. He's kind of, he, he was kind of like the dealer in this scenario. <laughs> I he, became uh, the addict. <laughs> I'm an influencer. Oh, that's right. Yes. Brad is an influencer. No, just, uh, just divine stuff. So I've had it uh, chilling for a little while. I'm drinking it straight up. Got to do it. Love this stuff. Don't want to corrupt it. So, hey, mine so, is not corrupted. Mine is just enhanced. I didn't say that. I just. I'm just. Mine. I'm just putting it out there. Yeah, Mocha Russian is uh, two parts of the chocolate vodka, three parts of Kahlua, and five parts of um, heavy whipping cream. And you put that all in a shaker with ice, shake well, and pour into a coupe and dust with a little bit of Dutch cocoa powder. Because, you know, it's Dutch. <laughs> Best chocolate on the planet. <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, I'm all about this stuff because they uh, they don't add chocolate flavoring. This is infused during the distillation process with Dutch chocolate nibs. So it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's the shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm having trouble finding it out here in East Texas, but <laughs> I would crawl through a mile of broken glass for a bottle of the stuff. Not gonna Aren't lie. You, uh, are you sitting on like half a case of the stuff? I am everywhere. I, it, you know, if I'm if I'm somewhere, if I'm visiting, like in Dallas or something, I happen to be at Tyler Wine. There's a bottle there. I will snag it. I don't care if I have a stash. And everybody knows that those are mine. I will share anything in my bar except for that. That was just mine. I have other chocolate vodka if people want, you know, chocolate vodka for their drinks. But this one is mine. I know. Sounds yep. harsh, but hey, no. my house, so my I, rules. <laughs> I do the same thing. I, I put the three olives bottle in the front as my rodeo vodka. So if anybody ever gets smart, ooh, I want some chocolate vodka. Go ahead. Take that shot. I mean, it's right there. Go ahead. Grab it. <laughs> Mine's like four bottles deep in the back. So Nice. Nice. <laughs> I need I to get a... hmm? I don't mind being greedy when it comes to this stuff. I, you know, it, it was funny because somebody asked me what's so special about this vodka. And I had one bottle that was open. So I served, I didn't even give them a, a, a shot. It was half a shot. Okay. So I put the shot glasses out there and did half for everyone to taste. And they all tasted it and they said, you know what? I understand why you keep it. <laughs> so, so they so they get it, you know. They get it. Especially my sister. My sister has been looking for it too, and she's pretty upset that she cannot find it and wants to buy one of my bottles. And I told her, Okay, but you're gonna pay premium premium. <laughs> and she and she was like, Well, what's the premium? I said, A hundred bucks. <laughs> and she's like, No. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> no, they're my bottles. I will share anything in my house except for that vodka. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm very proprietorial about my vodka. All righty. Well done. So, and I'm and I just FYI, I just started sipping it, so I can't even excuse myself with you know being drunk or anything because I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> no no but it's a uh, national holiday so we're celebrating it i think in proper fashion 
I think we are, yes. Although, oddly, uh, you know, just, just to throw this out there, the national holidays are kind of getting a little weird because it's vodka day, but it's also national taco day. I'm kind of thinking they should have planned that better. Yeah, you would have thought tequila and taco day would be, like, coinciding. But, no. Even oh, well. But, but I would... my, my whole thing is, tacos already have a day. It's Cinco de Mayo. Why do they need another national taco day? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty certain that the vodka day is pegged to the date, and then taco day, they probably said, like, first Tuesday of October or something like that. So that's which, how you get that crossover. Which, you know, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of suspicious to me. Because here we have an entire um, country that is, you know, trying to be as woke as possible. And... They're putting National Taco Day during part of Hispanic Month. So well, Jill Biden arranged for that. Oh yeah, that's true. Her and no, her. Then, you know. then it would have been National Breakfast. Unique breakfast taco. I was gonna say if it was Jill Biden's idea, it would have been Breakfast Taco Day. <laughs> <laughs> Unique Breakfast Taco Day. <laughs> Lord. I think yeah, it's, it's just it, the amount of pandering that comes out of this administration. It, just when I think it cannot go any sillier or lower or more grotesque, they, they surprise me. I should not be surprised. And yet here I am surprised. Well, I mean, she's very well versed in the Hispanic X culture because when she goes over Bogota's <laughs> by... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Miami Blossoms, she's very in sync with the locals. That's true. See, set Podway. See, set Podway. So I guess we should probably just get right into it, huh? Uh, yes. Joe Biden was on your homeland yesterday. Mm-hmm. And it Which, went you know, as I... swimmingly fabulous as expected. Well, here's one thing. Uh, you know, I I was very surprised that they were there yesterday because landfall for Fiona was uh, the 17th and the 18th. Um, so it took them a while to get to Puerto Rico. Normally, it takes about three days. And the reason for that is that, you know, things have to be coordinated for the island for, well, for any disaster area so that when... Uh, you know, a big wig like the president comes to visit, things are cleared off. He's got a place, you know, there's um, opportunities for cameras, you know, the, the news media and all that stuff. So things have to be coordinated. So I can understand two or three days. But this was the 18th and he wasn't there until the, the third. And I'm like, what took him so long? And it, it then I heard what he said and then it clicked. I know why he was there. It's October. It's about the Hispanic vote. And not about getting Puerto Rico, you know, running up and running again. So. Well, that's uh, pretty much. I, I, I was assured that he wasn't going to do anything truly unique or magnanimous. Anything different than Trump did when he went after a hurricane. And yet, all we remember is, oh, my God, he threw paper towels at people. You know, they report on that like he was rearing back 
in Nolan Ryan fashion and bouncing bounty off of people's foreheads. No, he was not. As a matter of fact, I think one of my cousins was there. She wasn't in the front. She was way, way, way in the back, but it's not the way it happened. And she doesn't even like him, but she feels that that was misreported. And I'm like, yeah, of course it was. There's Joe and Jill doling out, you know, food boxes or something. Pretty much exactly the same thing. Not mm-hmm. any different as far as accomplishment goes. It was a photo op both times. Well, and uh, but, but a lot of how people... much they care. They look at it. There, this is such a departure from the previous president. Like how they're on camera giving stuff to people. It's the same. <clears throat> this thing. is this is the the ugly secret that they don't. They don't tell you, especially the media doesn't tell anybody. Um, it doesn't matter if the president arrives in Puerto Rico. He does not have permission to go anywhere unless the governor says so. Did you know that? I uh, did not. Yes. He has. He is a guest of the governor. The governor decides where the president will be and mm. what he will see and what he will do. And a lot of people don't know that. The president doesn't have the ultimate authority in Puerto Rico. That's why Puerto Rico has a special uh, relationship. Yes, they call it a territory, but it's a lot more than that. Our technical name is Estado Libre Asociado, which means a freely associated state with the United States. So the governor has complete autonomy over what happens on the island when it comes to Uh, receiving uh, special political guests of any kind of, of any kind, you know, Uh, say Sheikh Abdul Mohammed, whatever the hell his name is, wanted to go visit Puerto Rico. He can't just drop in. Yeah, but he's not Sheikh of America like Joe Biden is. No, but even Joe Biden can't just drop in. However, Joe Biden was invited to drop in three days after Fiona. And he didn't come until after Ian made landfall and after, you know, the devastation of Ian uh, happened. And then he decided to go to Puerto Rico. And then he decides that he's Puerto Rican. And I'm like, oh, my God, that <sighs> is amazing. Now, see, last week, a few of us were speculating what would happen. Mm-hmm. What would Joe lay claim to? Because this is becoming his. <laughs> it's his trademark. It, he wherever is, he's at, he has to give a speech where, oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm one of you people because sometime in my past, this bullcrap story I'm making up on the fly assimilates me with you folks. Well, here's what really kind of, well, it freaks me out about him. I don't know. Do you remember a movie with Angelina Jolie and Ethan Hawke called Taking Lives? Whew, I do not. Okay. It was... It was really strange. Ethan Hawke basically stole people's lives. Like um, he, he was like a crab, like a hermit crab. So when he would outgrow that identity, I mean, and he would kill the person and assume the identity. Okay. And Angelina Jolie was the federal agent that was tasked to, you know, hunting them down, blah, 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 whatever. But that's what Joe does. This, <laughs> this is, is what like, Biden does. He I'm assumes, God. yeah, he assumes tra- cultural traits whenever it's convenient. He's been a truck driver. He's been Puerto Rican now. He was he was in a Jewish synagogue just two days ago. Yes, and he certain. was assuming the mantle of a Jewish guy. And I'm like, dude, you're Catholic. They know you're Catholic. You don't have to pretend. 
It's okay. That's I remember during my bat mitzvah that uh, I was performing a bris, and uh, but I just <laughs> I, last week I said that you know, he was going to claim that he had piloted a tramp steamer ship and was running pirates out of San Juan. That was my I was laying the marker on that. That was my guess. I had no <laughs> concept that he would go much further than that and actually lay claim to being Puerto Rican himself. As he said, I, you know, and, and, and the thing is, you know, you know, he and, and he said that he was growing up in Delaware. I'm like, that's not even where he grew up. What happened to Scranton? I mean, did Pennsylvania suddenly vanish off the face of the planet? He says, I was raised Puerto Rican politically. OK, what in the living hell does that even mean? <laughs> that means absolutely the fuck nothing. Nothing. It means absolutely nothing. To be Puerto Rican politically, it means absolutely nothing, as I have explained before on this very podcast. They may appear to be two parties in Puerto Rico, but they're both left. Okay? One is Democrat and one is Democrat light. That's it. And even you can pretend to be conservative and you'll end up voting for Democrat light because there is no truly conservative party out there. Well, see, when I was a representative for the state of Delaware, I actually brokered peace between the Jets and the Sharks. I was waiting. I was, I was, I was not disappointed that somebody actually said that. But I mean, seriously, the only Puerto Rican shit this man has ever been subjected to is cop tickets to see West Side Story. That is it. I, I know. Cannot, hey. you, these two sides did not get along. These guys hate. I'm not kidding. These guys hated each other. Yeah, corn papito. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, and the thing is, he doesn't need to pander because Puerto Rico is so, you know, leans heavily Democrat. He doesn't need to pander there. He doesn't. And this lie, this actually is another underlying issue with this administration. They know they are bleeding Hispanic votes. They know it. They've seen the tides are turning. And, you know, you, you go out on the street and, I don't know, it was, it was somebody down in, um, in the Rio Grande Valley. He was out, you know, man of the street type of interview. And this was after Maida Flores, Flores had... Um, had won for a representative of that district. And he was asking them, you know, um, both in Spanish and in English, because it's a heavily Spanish-speaking area, you know, how they felt about a conservative winning, you know, that seat. And everything came back to, well, the Democrats have done absolutely nothing for us. I think they're starting to see that the Democratic Party has done absolutely nothing but take them for granted. And it took a while. It took a long time, you know, because I, for one, I used to be liberal. So I can tell you, it took a long time for a lot of Hispanics to come around to the viewpoint that hmm, maybe just voting straight ticket Democrat is not a good idea. As a matter of fact, I believe the sheriff of my county is in deep trouble because he thought this was a shoe in and he's running neck and neck with a conservative. And that would be the first time a Republican wins as sheriff for that 
particular um, mm-hmm. county. So for me, seeing Biden and hearing him say what he said, it wasn't about helping Puerto Rico and it wasn't about connecting with Puerto Ricans. It's a, it was about trying to pander the vote, the Hispanic vote that he, the administration knows it's, it's just going away. I mean, if you look at the polls, they're just they're, like you said, they're bleeding. There was there was one that just came out. I think CNN put it up. How many black voters are now fleeing the Democrat Party in the upcoming election? The Latinx are <laughs> moving more and more over to the GOP. So they're definitely definitely looking at those. Numbers. You like poking the bear. bear you like right. poking. You like poking the bear with that Latinx, Latinx, whatever. I don't even know how to pronounce that shit, and I'm Latina. Oh, let me, (laughs) as a gringo, let me mansplain it for you. Pronounce (gasps) Latinx. You're mansplaining to me? Let me tell you how to say it correctly. Let me tell you the little hash marks of how how even I'm going to get at CPAC. They're they're growing in number right now. Sure don't scare me from Texas. (laughs) Not from Texas, but wait till I get to Orlando. (laughs) I won't tell you what hotel I'm in. <laughs> oh my God, I'm Hispanic. I can ferret out that information. Yes. Hey, Brad. Aggie's coming over to the table. Cool. Security. Security. <laughs> Security. Did, did you pat her down? <laughs> oh, GR said something really, really good. Mansplain and whitesplain. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sure, tell me, Blanco, what to do. Uh, I, I will admit, I do need white explaining sometimes because I, sometimes I don't, I don't get certain things, but that's just because of naivete. I was going to say, <laughs> you know? that, that, that's not white explaining, that's gullible explaining. Gullible explaining. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Rick has a point. <laughs> but yeah. So it was, uh, it was rather interesting to see our. Resident in chief, I guess, um, telling everybody that he was raised Puerto Rican politically. And I'm like, I'm trying to make that fit. I'm trying to make it fit in my head because if he's either talking about Scranton or talking about Delaware, I looked up demographics and it's still, I still can't make it fit in my head. Well, I just can't. Let me let me make it easy for you. You can't make this fit in your head because that is a classic, classic symptom of narcissistic personality disorder. They are chameleons. Mm-hmm. They they mimic everyone around them because they don't know what it means to be themselves. That's 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 a, a very good it. explainer. Thank you. Yes, they are chameleons. Like I said, a hermit crab. They just take over until they're done with it. They they shed that and they take over something else. And that's that's exactly what it is. And the thing is, it's it's like the worst part of it is that the media covers up for it constantly they try to excuse it they try to tell well this is what he meant and i'm like that's not what he said if that's what he meant then why didn't he say that you know the press is like a bit in overdrive in that particular delivery system in the last few weeks let's tell you what they really meant to say because they're doing this now with kamala Mm -hmm. she was at some conference talking about relief efforts and so she was saying that we need to ensure that we deliver relief with equity. And PolitiFact came out and they're like, oh, no, no, they're mis- Rick Scott's misrepresenting her words. 
And then they have the video where she says it, and they have her words printed out in the body of their text, of their report. She said it. Oh, she did. Because she was asked pointedly. Now, like, when it comes to hurricane relief and such, now, granted, she was expounding and talking about how, you know, oppressed communities and people of color and those who need a leg up and such. And they, But she was answering the question regarding hurricane relief, and she said... We need to apply equity so those people who started with a leg down get more parity, and we can bring them up to a level area. And no, and when no, it comes to that's not the way whoever it needs it gets it. You don't mm-hmm. prioritize relief effort. No, if she's going to go down that road, then she needs to like they all need to concentrate on Puerto Rico first. But it just cracks me up how the press reacts to this. So, so here's Politifact today. I think it was that put this out or yesterday. Look, look, let's explain what you really meant. Well, Rick Scott on Sunday, I cracked up. He, he was on with Margaret Brennan on CNN, mm-hmm. CBS this morning. She's normally actually a pretty square shooter. But he said that. You know, he said, you know, because we have the vice president talking about giving relief based on skin. She didn't say that. She didn't say that. She said equity. Margaret, um, what do you think she meant by that? <laughs> That's what she meant and <laughs> by here- her long-term explanation. And this is another problem. Now they're going to redefine what equity is in order to excuse what she said. They're always redefining every single term until it fits the narrative. Well, the thing is, they have equity in play. That that belongs to them. The, like it's not even a Democrat thing. It is a leftist, left wing thing. You know, that's a policy of theirs. So it's okay if they manipulate and make that definition more malleable. Because in the end, it's still going to become equity in their minds, and they're still going to deliver it in the way they see fit. So if you call them out, they're like, you, you don't give equity on, okay, fine, 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 we'll call it something else. You know? And then they'll still apply it is what it comes mm-hmm. down to. That, that's the thing is they massage everything just to get to the same result. It's it's bizarre as hell when they – you call them on it, and then they try to call you back on it because, oh, you're misdefining it. You're you're being mis- inaccurate. You're giving misinformation. No, I'm actually following the book definition of it. I mean, it's, you know, we're doing that with woman now. We're doing that with pregnancy. <laughs> I mean, everything is interpretational. It's just damned aggravating that the people that lecture us about science and facts can't follow either. It's amazing. Yeah, it has been um, elucidating. See, I'm not drunk yet because I can use big words. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see know, how it, the second hour goes. More chocolate vodka. So I'll be, <laughs> don't forget the Kahlua that's in there too. <laughs> but the Bailey's. You know, I somebody I I think it was on. I don't know. One of the major uh, cable news networks was uh, talking about Kamala, Kamala Kachik, and she, how she is actually not cut out for this job, but a very smart person. And I'm like, you can't have it both ways. Um, And the reason I when do we see this evidence? Yeah, exactly. The reason I say that, if she were smart, she could talk her way through her job just fine. I, I know that. I've seen vice presidents do it. So it's it's not 
outside the realm of, you know, probability and possibility that a an incompetent person gets chosen as VP and can manage to do the job relatively regardless, simply because he or she can uh, manage to be smart enough to talk um, and explain situations. If she were smart, she could still rise to the level of doing this job. It's not a difficult job. And this is why a lot of people are, they really do think that being president and vice president is very, very difficult. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's time consuming. But it's not difficult. There are certain things you're allowed to do and certain things you're not allowed to do. Okay. And for when it comes to a vice presidential slot, there are certain duties that the vice president is in charge of, of, of doing certain tasks that they must do. They are enumerated. You are told it's not difficult for a smart person to be vice president or to be president. So even if you have absolutely no idea of what the job is and you get tasked for it, if you're intelligent, you can figure it out. She has yet to figure out how to dial nine from her telephone. Okay. That's how dumb she, this woman is. She ain't she never has, stayed at a hotel. But this no, is what's she, amazing with Kamala Harris is that, you know, she, you, she's become infamous now for these like rambling speeches where she just bounces off the walls saying the same thing. When she's like the, the whole controversy about the equity thing, I watched that video. She actually sounded lucid. You know, she was, Kind of okay. But when she's giving prepared speeches, that's when she seems to screw up the most. And I, I'm thinking about it. It has to be because she's so deeply entrenched in that left-wing ideology. So when she's on stage and somebody tees up a question, so tell us about equity and how are you going to treat this when it comes to hurricane relief? She's on point because that's her. You know, she can do that. But when she's given a speech, she has to stay within certain parameters. She can't just go off on this left-wing tangent of her quasi-commie social proposals and stuff. So she has to rein that in. And when she does that is when she gets flummoxed. And so she starts saying things like, you know, education is very important. And the thing we need to focus on is the education because educating kids is an important facet of education. And once we educate them to, and that's, yes. you know, because she's trying to control herself and she can't because she's not talking about core values at that point. That's what screws her up. This is true. And, and, and the thing is, it's, I don't know who's doing her speeches. I don't know who's giving her the talking points. I don't know where any of this is coming from because it's, it's all failing. And there's nothing is clicking with her. I remember the, when um, after the inauguration, uh, she shows up and to work, you know, and she's sitting there at the long conference table, you know, and she's talking to other people. And you know what the piece was about? It wasn't about what she was going to be doing as border czar. It wasn't about what she was planning on doing about the immigration status of the people that are already here. It was about her shoes and her pantsuit. 
And I was like, <laughs> what the hell does that have to do with her job? She could show up in a sack with tennis shoes. And as long as she did the job, I'd be okay with it. But she, th- this is what they were pushing. How she is empowering women after breaking that glass ceiling, which is absolute horseshit, by the way. Um, empowering women wearing a power suit and sexy heels. And I'm like, you just completely destroyed your entire narrative right there by saying sexy heels. <laughs> completely. You're trying to make this woman seem as a very powerful individual, and you're talking about her sexy shoes. I mean... Yeah, and <laughs> of all the people that you don't want to veer into that line of No, no, no. no you want, when she breaks through line. a... It was sexy. She breaks through a glass ceiling is because it had a mirror on it. I was going to say, it was was sexy heels up Paris. They just (laughs) forgot that part. (laughs) Oh, God, okay. (laughs) But, I mean, she was, she has been the best pick that Biden could have done. I have to say, like I said in chat, she's complete assassination insurance. There is no freaking way that anybody would take a shot at Biden knowing that she would be second, you know, in line for the throne. So, I mean, it, 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 I, I just, I'm not surprised at all at her complete lack of intelligence. I'm not. Uh, When she was um, DA, it was the same thing. Nothing that she did made sense. People were complaining about the the office when she was in charge. And everybody seems to forget that she had it to where if you were black, you were going to serve time, you know? And I'm like, how, how, that makes no sense to me. I mean, if you, if the crime merits serving time, then yes. But it was just, it was just whatever. They had to get rid of her from that position, so then I made her a senator. She constantly rises to her level of incompetence. She does. (laughs) She that's what she does. She rises to a new level of incompetence, and nobody can get rid of her because she hits every single check. That's why she stays. I think you're really. This is kind of crude the way you're diminishing her because I see Kamala Harris as a woman who could stand on her own two knees. I was, <laughs> was going to say oh when, when your yeah. when your starting position is on your back, you got nowhere to go but up. I got to so. hold on. <laughs> we'll be right back, folks, because apparently we broke Aggie. But uh, I'm sorry, I had to meet you guys for a second. Well, she's in recovery mode. <laughs> I'm going to uh, segue back to the sport of football. One of our topics here because oh god i guess the uh, news broke today that tom brady is going to go through a divorce after all after weeks of speculation dire news has come through this is this hits me very personally i gotta say this affects me on a personal level why he's my backup quarterback on my fantasy team well that just means that he's going to really concentrate on football to you know you know, his get away from bitch the pain. Giselle is distracting him. He hasn't been playing up to his part. Now he did get thirty this weekend. I should have probably started him, but 
See, I have a different. I have a different take on this. Anybody who's retired five times and keeps coming back, it's to get away from the wife, and that's why he's getting a divorce. I, you know what? I cannot disagree because my father retired over and over and over again, <laughs> and it wasn't until he was eighty-five that he stopped, and he's ninety. <laughs> didn't uh, a number of people this summer said that? Uh... Tom Brady retired, and after three weeks at home with the wife and kids, decided that getting chased down by 300-pound linemen was a better alternative. Well, you know, and it's a hard, um, it's a hard readjustment, regardless of what uh, your profession is when you choose to retire, because you had been in that role for so long, you don't have an identity outside of that one. And the trick is to start building an identity while you're still in that role that will suffice you after you leave that role um what's his name Peyton Manning uh did that really well he segued from his career in football to his career and whatever the hell he's doing right did now you see, did you see what Jeff put up yeah I did <laughs> Giselle becomes Giselle is joining Eli Manning and Nick Foles is the only people to take a ring away from Tom Brady well, that's okay. Love that. I love that. Uh, I, you know, I, I have no idea what's going on in their marriage, and I really don't care. I wish both of them the best, and I just hope for the kids that they're not too um, unsettled after that. But, um, you know, like I said, he really had no other identity except, you know, playing for the, you know, playing just, football, uh, being the, game, the best Tom. quarterback out there. That was Focus his on only the idea. game, Tommy, is all I'm saying, because I got a bye week coming up on my starter. <laughs> Get your act together. I do kind of like this, though. Their marriage seemed to be going rather well until they moved to Florida. Um. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what uh, it is about that place. <laughs> suddenly he's drinking PBRs and riding jet skis on the weekend. <laughs> Tommy, aren't you going to cut the lawn? yeah you know and and it but you know and that it goes back to trying to find his identity and he just he's he's typecast okay the same thing happened to brett Favre. he was typecast the only one that broke it and is happy when he did was uh john elway in my opinion everybody else every big major quarterback that retired at the peak of their career Either ended coming back or felt lost, and he, that even even it even go. I mean, it took Joe Montana a while, um, but Tom has been the quarterback, the guy. Everybody says the same thing. Oh, you know, nobody can beat him. I mean, he's got more rings than you know, uh, Soren. So you know, they, they just. And now this is happening, and I'm really really sorry for your. For your loss, Brad. <laughs> Get his act together. Is all I'm uh, maybe he will. Maybe he won't. Oh, well. Oh. It's all part of being a coach. Got to manage these things. Well, hopefully, you know, hopefully he'll, he'll just, he'll be able to deal with the situation in a, an amicable way. I'm... Um, 
I'm just happy, though, because um, college football this weekend. I actually had a good weekend because um, Hurricanes didn't lose. Did they? Who did they play? Uh, they didn't. Oh, that's why. That's right. <laughs> oh. Well, my Aggies did lose. Uh, they just they weren't really clicking the first, almost the entire first half. They really weren't clicking. And, um, you know, Missouri played really, really well. I mean, that team was cohesive. They were, I mean, seriously, they, were, they did great. I'll, I was watching that going, I don't know what's wrong with the Aggies, but damn, Missouri's looking really good. They have a really solid team. So congratulations to them. Or was it Mississippi State? I don't even know anymore because now it's see the vodka's hitting. <laughs> yeah, you played uh, Mississippi State. Mississippi State, yeah. I'm sorry. No, Missouri had a had a rough time. But Mississippi State did really, really, really well. So I'm I was I was quite impressed with their team. There were like I said, it was almost like watching a ballet. Watching them play was so fluid and so well connected. It was just it was amazing. They really do have a good team. So for those of you out there, if you have Mississippi State on your roster, um playing one of your teams, yeah, do you, you may want to take a good look because they they have a really good team this year. So yeah. get your act together, tighten it down. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, just Learn last weekend was mistakes. kind of weak all around. There wasn't really a lot of uh, marquee matchups I saw. No, there weren't, and it was it was really really strange because a lot of uh, really high ranked teams lost. Uh, although TCU uh, did really well, and that was unexpected. Um, who did they play? Uh, who did they play? I want to say it was Texas, but I'm not sure. But they did well. They ended up winning their their game, and uh, I believe Texas tactic too, but I can't recall. I'm sorry to say, and I'm sorry, Rick, Oklahoma did not do well. And you had to bring it up. I'm really sorry. <laughs> That's right. Uh, TCU played Oklahoma. That's right. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. I'm telling you the vodka is hitting. And, yeah, we might lose to Alabama, but that was a given, so I'm not really caring at this point. I am more upset about my Yale leaders right now than I am about the football team. So I, I'm not very happy with our um, Yale leader uh, component this year. And I will be writing to the Board of Regents and to <laughs> the boosters and to the student association about this because part of being an Aggie, okay, we don't have cheerleaders. We have Yale leaders and they do uh, jokes uh, and most of the jokes are centered on Rock and Raquel, okay? They go back generations. These jokes go back forever. Uh, but of late, the Should Yale I leaders- know who you're talking about? No, no, nobody knows. Rock and Rock were just made up uh, names. Um, and th- I mean, seriously, for the past 60, 70 years, those have been the, 
the, the main joke names were Rock and Raquel. But as of late, the um, Yell leaders have done jokes that are in very poor taste against other schools. And that is not the Aggie way. We make jokes about ourselves. That's our way. And the reason we do that is because Texas, it, we're Texas A&M, okay? Um, and yes, we may poke fun at other schools and everything, but we're not harsh about it. That is ungentlemanly. And that is at the, that's why we're taking exception to how the Yell leaders are conducting themselves because they are part of the Corps of Cadets. The Corps of Cadets has a strict rule when it comes to being rude and saying things that are that go above and beyond a joke, okay? To give you an example how the Corps of Cadets is really, really uptight about these things. When I attended school, I had a class at the Trigon. The Trigon is a um, one of the buildings on campus, and that's where the uh, military sciences are headquartered, and so is the commandant of the cadets, okay? He's headquartered there, too. But my history class happened to be at the Trigon. And one day when I'm leaving, uh, I had all of my coloring pencils and all that stuff because we were doing maps or something in history, and I dropped them on the stairwell. And... This guy, he's in the Corps of Cadets. He's supposed to be obligated to help anybody in distress. So he just walked over to it and said he was in a hurry. And I was like, perfectly fine with that. I totally get it. You have to go to another class or whatever. So I picked up all my stuff. And as I'm walking out, I see talking to somebody right outside the door. So being a female... And being well aware of how the core cadets is supposed to conduct themselves, I walked downstairs to the basement and went to the commandant's office and I said, I'd like to file a complaint. And I told them who it was and what happened and where it happened and where you can find that guy. Within a minute, that guy was in that office. And as soon as he saw me, he completely went white. I mean, he paled because he knew what was coming. He was stripped of his rank and he was given community service in order to get his rank back. And he was instructed that he had to apologize to me. And I told him, no, he doesn't have to apologize to me. He has to remember what his duty and what the core means. That's all I want from him. So he didn't have to apologize to me, but you know what? I saw him two years later. He was wearing boots. He was a senior. And he saw me and he said, I remember you. And I looked at him and I was like, oh shit, here it comes. <laughs> and he, he thanked me because he had forgotten what it meant to be a member of the Corps. And here he was second in command. So, you know, I mean, there, there are strict rules that we have in the Corps of Cadets. And to see my yell leaders, and yes, they're my yell leaders, I'm still an Aggie, doing something that goes contrary to that, I have an issue. So for me, I'm more interested in getting that shit straightened out than getting my, my team straightened out because that's football. I don't know anything about football, but I do know what the core cadet is supposed to be doing. 
And thus ends Aggie's rant on the court. So, and I'm just, I don't want to be clear here, make sure I got the translation correct and all that. So, so is Liesl the Spanish version of Karen? Is that how that works? You outed my name. <laughs> you dick. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, this was, it was egregious. What he did was really, really bad. And I, and I was, and, and he got lucky. Because he didn't have to apologize to me. Had he had to apologize to me, he would have been indentured to me. Okay. <laughs> I mean, this is how serious they take these things. So and then you uh, would have been married and your entire future would have been over. <laughs> well, as um, last I heard from him, yes, he had, uh, he had gone career in the military, U.S. Air Force. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but... But, you know, I mean, seriously, the Corps of Cadets at Texas A&M being the, one of the last two um, uh, schools that, ha- that were land-grant schools with a Corps of Cadets in them, the other one being Virginia Tech, okay? Uh, so we consider Virginia Tech kind of our sister school as well. It's a very serious thing. They take it far more serious than any of the military schools do. And, you know... We have, outside of the military academies, we have the highest um, amount of uh, people that go into the military. So it's a, it's a big fucking deal. So I'm, I'm watching this and I'm going, this, this, is, this is bad and it's got to stop. They can't do this kind of shit. You know? So anyway, moving on to the next topic. Well... <laughs> Wanted to uh, drop one. I didn't get to send this link because I got it late, but it ties into uh, some of our common coverage here because um, you know we always talk about appropriation and what a bunch of horseshit that is. Found an <laughs> example where they're trying to even broaden this further, and in a way has proven one of my core points about cultural appropriation. So, <clears throat> how do I even want to present this? But um, well, I'm going to read. I'm going to read the opening paragraph here. This is actually from a professor of sorts. Uh, this is from Religion and Politics, is the name of the news outlet. So here's what she has to say: Most progressive liberals are aware of the dangers of borrowing from racially marginalized communities. Already, we're starting down a path here. (laughs) (laughs) My students are no exception. They are quick to identify and condemn forms of cultural appropriation when white folks adopt styles of communities of color for financial benefit or to increase their coolness quotient, which is all to say we are in very important cultural moment of awareness to systemic racial injustice. We are primed to see racial borrowing as likely ethically fraught. And this is a good thing. Oh, my Lord. Okay, so what is the shrieking Herodin complaining about? The piece is entitled, Religious (laughs) Appropriation Depends on Whiteness Too. I cannot. I cannot. (laughs) Now we have religious appropriation. And as I've long suspected and have always commented on, it's only white people who appropriate culture somehow. 
I see. I don't get that. I, so, I don't like, get how it's only a white thing. I mean, you yourself, you're you're free and clear. You're Latinx. You can do anything you want when it comes to this kind of stuff. Brad, I swear to God. Mm-hmm. I what? swear to God. I am going to use my new knife and I'm going to carve my initials on your chest. <laughs> I'm trying to make a larger point here, Aggie. Okay? It's not about you. So wait, why, why are you marking so, your territory? That's kind of that's kind of. <laughs> no, it's just like you know, Aggie was here. <laughs> just okay. Just it's, you're not the center of this, okay? I'm just I got a broader point to make. So, so you people are able to do whatever you want when it comes to this stuff, but me, the oppressed white people, I'm not allowed to appropriate anything. So. Um, what is it that's got this professor upset? What is she? What is she all tied up in a knot about? Yoga pants are appropriating religious <laughs> culture. <laughs> no. Now I wondered what was setting this woman off, and I came uh, came upon the motivation for this. Um, She's you know, bringing all of this up, the, the liberal motivations, whether they be politics or education or therapy, a tactic which hides the harm to religious communities that they can cause. In my recent book, Stealing My Religion. So she's uh-huh. written a book about religious appropriation. So what's got her all bent out of shape here is white women performing yoga. That. Has her bent out of shape? This is what the center of all of this bitch out session from her is centered on. Because white women are appropriating the culture by doing yoga. And what has Aggie said about cultural appropriation, Brad? That it's bullcrap and ain't real. That's right. Appropriation of yoga culture, really? This is where she's going with that? She's. Um, you know why she's mad? She doesn't look good in yoga pants and she's mad at other women that I'm do. I'm thinking that, right? It's like she's been on the Lululemon website and thought, ah, oh, damn it, I'm too. I'm, I'm too confident in my body type to purchase one of these pants. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she's going So this is this is how she lays it out. She says, I explore three cases of borrowing that were all motivated by goals we should judge as good from a liberal point of view. So basically, she's saying that, okay, liberal people are doing this out of the goodness of their heart, but they got to stop because this is bad. So these are the three things. The first one is demonstrating allyship with a religious minority by wearing a solidarity hijab. So you white women better take those off. Don't you dare wear them. This one cracks me up. The second one is learning about a religious rite of passage through firsthand experience. In other words, studying abroad. So if you travel outside the country to learn about another culture, you're you're a bitch. Don't do that. <laughs> I wow, my head hurts from trying to make this. And then the last one, a therapeutic treatment based on a religious practice. What's she talking about there? Practicing yoga. <laughs> so, 
you white women in a gym that are doing the downward facing dog, you're doing that out of you're you're hateful and intolerant for doing so. <laughs> yeah, my favorite is angry cat and happy cow. <laughs> I mean, I just love this so much because it's really as if she just sat down one day and like I need. I need to make my mark here. I need to get in on this game because this is, this is happening. And, well, if right. you remember, everybody hates white people. How can I claim some get on the game? Yeah, yeah, there's got. I mean, there's got to be money to be made here. But damn it, almost all this cultural appropriation. <laughs> got it. You know, this coming from my anthropological perspective, all of this hate towards white people. It's really based on envy. I cannot make it work otherwise. Western civilization has forwarded so much, has progressed, has actually moved forward. Um, when you look at, uh, I, I, I'm sure you and, and Ordi covered um, the the uh, that new African film debacle about the queen or whatever it was. Oh um, yeah, the woman queen. The woman yeah, we covered. king. Covered that. Yep. And I have extreme issues with that because basically they're literally whitewashing what happened and everything. Blackwashing. I, I, I can say it. I can say it. Oh, that's right. You, <laughs> I keep forgetting your latinx. You get away with it. Stop it, <laughs> Latina. But it all boils down to a deep-seated envy. It's not about oppression. It's not about systemic racism. None of that, none of that is actually what stems from, you know, this whole ant- attack on, uh, on uh, white people. It actually is based on um, envy. And it's, it's, it's really interesting to see because it's not the same envy, but it is envy. All across the board, um, there is a, a one of the links that I sent you about this chick that does the Latinx crap uh, for uh, she's I don't know a parenting expert or something like that. She wants to cancel the chancla culture. Okay, she wants to cancel all of that and um, wants um, kids to be more. Um, wants parenting to be better or, you know, I don't know. But she actually ties the whole thing about Chancla to colonization. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm like, bitch, if you think that Tainos and Aztecs and Olmecs and Zapotecs and Mayans and Incans and all of these people that lived around here didn't discipline their kids before the colonizers came along, you are high. And I, <laughs> you, you, you've seen many um, paintings, Mayan uh, carvings and, and stuff of men being whipped, men being cut up, women being sacrificed, children being sacrificed. They knew how to do discipline. I mean, it wasn't like it came with the colonization. It didn't, but she attaches it to the colonizers because it's easier to blame somebody else for that part of their culture. And that's where that whole 
envy comes in. But this is, yeah. I, I, I'm serious. She literally Wait. said that it's about the it's about the colonization. What it, this whole chancla thing, this whole domination with negative reinforcement comes from colonization. And I'm like, no. But the colonizers were not beating kids with flip flops. No, they were not. But they, you know, she, you know, she actually says that most indigenous groups did not use corporal punishment until colonization. And I'm sorry, that is not right. That is not true. And not at all. Because, and how do I know this? Because all of this shit has been passed down through my family since before the Spanish got here, okay? I just, I really <laughs> hope that there's somewhere, there's some Aztec hieroglyphics that has a sandal flying through the air. I, I wish I could find one. But I have seen, uh, I've seen Koba carvings, you know, in, in the Mayan culture that depict uh, people being punished with uh, whips and uh, paddles. I've seen mm-hmm. Incan ones, same thing. I recall um, stories about my uh, my ancestry, which is Taino Indian. Uh, most of our history is oral, but I remember hearing uh, from my grandmother some of those uh, stories, and they are annotated at El Semi, which is a um, a museum in my hometown back in Puerto Rico, where you know. Children will be punished if they don't do certain things. That was that was the way. So for her to say that colonization is to blame for the way we punish our children, no, that's not true. This has been, and, and, and the thing is, it's all interdependent. The Western civilization did it. The Far East civilization did it. The Polynesians did it. Hawaiians did it. South Americans did it. Central America, everybody did it. Why? Because the moment that child sassed you, the first thing you did was take that sass out of his mouth with a with a slap to the face. That was your first defense. It has been that way know, for decades, millions of years. I don't know too many pilgrims that use the phrase, oh, no, you dang. <laughs> well, that's the last thing you hear before the shoe cracks you in the temple. All I'm saying is on the, she, on, the, on the cave paintings of the adults, are we sure that wasn't just porn? Just asking. Well, it could be that too. It's a subject for juxtaposition. <laughs> that was in the uh, adults only temple. Kids were allowed to go in there and look at those carvings. But, you know, and, and that this is where, you know, I, I think she's doing a disservice. She's Mexican American, but I'm like, I, I know I've, I remember seeing all of these depictions of corporal punishment by the Aztecs, especially to their conquered, um, to the conquered people, you know. So for her to say that this came after colonization is extremely disingenuous, but she has to, she has to attach that blame to whites, you know. But see, this this article here is perfect for all of this because throughout it, it it talks about, you know, the danger of appropriation, the 
damage that this can cause and their hurt that comes as a result of this. They never, though, go to the extent of actually illustrating what in the living hell she's accusing. So you got women in a gym doing these poses. What's the danger? How are you affected in any capacity by somebody tying their legs in a knot? And she doesn't, she never says that. It's all alluded to. The pain that's induced from these white people doing this. I mean, she, this is the description when it comes to the third one yoga. The role of whiteness in the popularization of yoga is also clear because when yoga first arrived in the U.S. at the turn of the 20th century, it was met with suspicion. Because yoga was too Eastern, too foreign, and frankly, too connected to bodies of color. For yoga to become mainstream, it was scrubbed of its devotional meanings and presented in spaces that are comfortable for white people. I cannot with this shit. (laughs) I mean, so you put out a yoga mat in the gym and contort yourself. How are you damaged by this? That's my question. Where's the pain being delivered here? How are you in any capacity impacted by what Tabitha and her friends do before they crack open the wine boxes after their hot yoga session? There's nothing that affects you. Nope. Not a thing. Not a thing. But I don't like them doing it. And this is the whole thing. If there was a class of black women performing yoga, what happens? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, 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 when worlds collide. Oh, my God. I would love to be a fly I mean, on that wall. <laughs> I'm pretty damn certain they're going to circle back and say, well, the white people appropriated and made this accessible for other people to do it. Now it's acceptable for them. But those whites did it first. So they're the ones to blame. I mean, I guarantee you that's where it would oh, go. Oh, yeah, that would be that. I'm pretty sure that that would be the take. It's like I said, the only people that can be blamed for anything are white people. Everybody yep. else gets a pass. And that's completely disingenuous. And like I said, everything that I see and the way that people act and the way they force the blame, it falls on envy. It really is. It's almost as if they are envious of the fact that the Western civilization had so many advances that it makes everybody else look like a pittance. And, you know, I, I'm actually very grateful for all of the advancements of Western civilization. Without them, I would not be here. I wouldn't be on my laptop. I would not have my smartphone next to me. And I certainly wouldn't be drinking this fantabulous cocktail. So, uh, you know, I'm very grateful to, to, to you, Brad. For being part of the white civilization. And you too, Rick. <laughs> well, let me just say that my people have endured quite a bit in order to get to this point in our history. Oh my gosh, you have to look at the, you have to go to the chat. Look what Rooster just put up. <laughs> it's the most glorious thing I have seen. I don't see it. It's not coming up. <laughs> fresh or something. I don't know, but oh my God. The, uh, they look Mayan with chunkless. They're perfect. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Yeah, okay. Beautiful. 
<laughs> it is beautiful. But um, no, this is just the kind of crap. I just love this stuff because they're they're seeking out. They actually have to look for something to bitch about. Yes, they do have to look for some, for something to bitch about. That is the only motivation that they have. And 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 this is what happens with people who are already affluent, who are already, um, I guess, successful in whatever field they are. They actively some seek something to bitch about. It is their only motivation is to find a target. They really are bored, and they really are upset with the fact that. They also feel guilt. Um, well, I mean, it's, and that makes it's a form mad. of personal empowerment because they need to feel as if they are enforcing some kind of iniquity and, and, and correcting a social wrong. Like, but they have to invent it first in order. So it's pure straw man crap, religious appropriation. But she's bitching because people aren't being religious about it. But okay. you know they. Here's the thing. Yoga, yes, it is. it has a religious connotation and everything. But it has been extracted from its religious connotation as a form of exercise. And I don't see any religious yogis upset about some chick drinking from a Starbucks cup right before she goes and does the downward facing dog. Well, that's because they're too no busy. Yogis, no yogis are upset about this. It's because they're too busy chasing picnic baskets. Oh, wait. Wrong Yogi. My bad. Wrong Yogi. <laughs> Sorry, I have to. <laughs> anyway. But this is what... I think she exposes herself here, too, because she talks about how, well, in the early part of the century, this stuff was looked at as exotic and weird. Okay? And I guarantee you they would bitch about that. Because if white people came up and was like, what, why are you doing that? What are you doing? You're like in a knot. That looks so stupid. That looks dumb. What are you doing? Quit insulting my religion. You know, that would be the comeback. So they're embracing your religious practice. Now they're, they're incorporating it in their own. Like, right, if they're not praying to the same God or such. But I don't get this, this need to be bitching and moaning about stuff. I mean... I, I should probably go to Texas and start screaming at people because they got all those windmills up. Yeah. To power yeah. homes now. Every You're time I walk by, I'm like, I'm like the Dutch hardest hit. Every time I see one yeah. out here. <laughs> Gee, that's, I'm offended. Uh, but, but in deference to you, I don't have one on my property. Well, thank you for your sensitivity. I, I do have tulips, though. Can't Can't lie. <laughs> <laughs> and Flowers are not your... You damn culture. Or something <laughs> my my culture are not your damn flowers. I don't know how that works. I really don't. Um, yeah. I'm trying to be outraged here. I'm I'm failing. At you're it. failing horribly, <laughs> horribly. Yeah. We only wear wooden shoes out in the fields. Not <laughs> you know. I tried I wearing wearing wooden clogs. I just couldn't get the hang of it. And they said, you have to grip with your toes. And I'm like, okay, that's not happening. And then I remembered in Die Hard, making fists on the carpet, remember, with your toes? <laughs> that's what they meant by gripping with your toes. So next time I'm in Holland, excuse me, Netherlands, um, in the low country, I will 
attempt to grip with my toes. But it's it's, it was really you know I I actually got to see a couple of um, clog dancers when I was over in Germany, and I'm like, how the hell do you (laughs) dance in that shit? I can't. I was like, I'm flabbergasted. I mean, they they act and they kept the shoes on. <laughs> that was, I thought they had Velcro. I don't know, but it was really cool to watch. You have a really lovely culture, Brad. You really do. I should probably be upset at Crocs. You really should be. They've stolen. They've stolen our design and arts. Our my culture is not your footwear. <laughs> I can't even pretend to be upset about this kind of crap it's stupid but it's you know (laughs) this is the world we live in we have to be upset about something but you know that and i think it has gotten to the point where we are being conditioned to be upset about something you know i have spoken about the state of fear that the government governments because it's not just ours it's every government does that to their the citizens and everything and uh, Zuby, of all people, had a, a tweet about that. He, he was saying, I hope we can just get a break for just a few months with no pandemic, no this, no that, no that, you know, just so that people can just breathe and take a break and not be anxious anymore. I'm like, well, it's all by design. And that's really what it has been. Everything has been well, done yeah, by design. Look how you know. upset. It was months and months that the media refused to let go of COVID. Yeah. COVID let go of COVID before the media did. I mean, we, yeah, we pretty much stopped. And, oh, no, it's too, you can't, there's another strain around the corner. They have monkeypoxes on the way. (laughs) Knock it off. We don't give a shit anymore. And then Joe Biden a few weeks ago on 60 Minutes, like, well, that's it, pandemic's over. How dare he? That's not the official word of the White House. And Fauci got pissed off. And a couple news outlets got, he's like, Go chase yourselves. We're not putting a mask back on. Go somewhere, and you play in a safe sandbox. We don't give a shit anymore. And it's just, I mean, I'm glad finally the nation is where Florida was at about a year and a half ago. Yeah, uh, and it. I, I, this is another reason why Biden took so long to get there, because he really hates the fact that Florida can't do well enough without the, 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 the rest of the government. And it, it, it shows that, yeah, Florida can actually, you know, it, Florida is actually a shining example to all the other states of what a state is supposed to be doing. The federal government should not be the behemoth that it is. The states have far more power than the federal government does. And Florida is reminding the rest of the states that, yeah, you do have the power. And this administration doesn't like that. I just I have to laugh because what's pissed everybody off the most is Ron DeSantis giving us the chance to go out and live our lives. Mm-hmm. Don't wear the mask. Go back to work. Put your kids in school. Don't require the mask and vaccines and all this stuff. And he got called a fascist for that, <laughs> for for not mandating government lockdowns and oppression. He was it, a fascist. This you goes know back. what that word means. No, 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 no. It's not about knowing what the word means. It's about redefining the word. So, well, it's, you know, everybody but, knows that fascist 
fascism has a negative connotation. So if you attach it to that, then, you know, but you make you that connection. But you can't go 180 degrees out of face. You can't say I know that. granting know that. somebody the choice to do something is fascism. It doesn't work that way, you dumb shits. I well, mean, it's you the know, same with the I mean, new prime minister of Italy because she's, exactly. she's saying, I want the individual to have their freedom and get away from state control. And I want the businesses separated from government so they don't team up and oppress people. So you got the freedom to be yourself, you fascist. Yeah. And I mean, even our president was taking exception to the elections in Italy. And I'm like, dude, no, you have no sight, no call, nothing to do with what goes on in Italy. But he did. I mean, he. It's, actually, it's a threat to democracy. Yes. The people of Italy held an election and selected a new prime minister. Yeah, <laughs> this I mean, is where they're at right now. I was like, I like I told you last week and this afternoon when we were talking about what to talk about on the podcast. I'm really, you guys have no idea how awful the media is over. Um, Prime Minister Maloney right now. And unless you speak Italian or are familiar enough with romantic languages, you won't, you, you, you can't really know the depths at which the media has sunk when it comes to this woman. There was, like, I, like we discussed last week, there was one person that was saying that she was um, echoing the words of Mussolini. And she said that this was about God and, and um, uh, the fatherland, okay, and family. She's not, that's not what she said. When I listened to her give her speech in Italian, I heard what she said. She actually used the word patria. Patria is the Italian word for country, not fatherland, okay, Fatherland was the term that Mussolini used. And because Mussolini used it, Italians are very loath to use it. As a matter of fact, they don't use it. They just don't. Patria but is now also, you're going to have people in the press are going to say she's aware of that and she consciously didn't use that word, but she wanted it's to. It's code. You know that's coming. It's code. And it's I'm a like, fascist no. dog whistle. It's not. And it's not. She literally said the word country but it was translated as fatherland as to stigmatize this woman as being mussolini like that's what the media has done and it's not even it's it's not even our country i can't stand light beer and i can't stand light dictatorships yeah I, and I, seriously i mean i i sent you the tweet that had the the transcript of what um president biden said but Basically, he has gone on to say something that it, it should be alarming. He basically, not only does he condemn Italy, right? He goes on to deny the legitimacy of anybody in the U.S. voting for a Republican. This is what he had to say. And I'm quoting, which is why it sounds kind of weird. Well, folks, you know, and I mean this sincerely, you're going to think this is a little out of whack 
what I'm going to talk about, but you know, democracy is at stake. Literally, there's, there's a case being made around the world, not just here, because democracy and autocracy, it's not even a right sentence, but whatever. And there's an awful lot of folks who believe that democracies can't be sustained in the 21st century because there's problems are so, so much is changing in science and technology, the environment, a whole range of things that it's awful hard to reach a consensus in the short amount of time you have to reach. That was a little Kamala-ish. He just described the Democrats there, by the way. Pretty much. And so that's why I have these constant arguments. So I've had, I've met with Xi Jinping over 78 hours, 68 of which are in person over the last 10 years. And he makes the case straight up that democracies can't be sustained in the 21st century. I can't believe I'm agreeing with that fucker, but it's true. You just saw what happened in Italy in that election. You're seeing what's happening around the world. And the reason I bother to say that is we can't be sanguine about what's happening here either. I don't want to exaggerate it, but I don't want to understate it. And it's the reason why I'm so concerned about and so interested in and so committed to seeing that the governors, Democratic governors, are elected. Because literally, the outcome of an election is going to be determined by how well the governors run their states, who's in charge at the time, whether or not things are going to be, how we count the votes, whether or not it's transparent, and a whole range of things. This is our president. He literally just pretty much did away with anybody voting Republican. If you vote Republican, it doesn't count. The only votes that count are the ones for Democrats. That's basically what he's saying. Well, here's how comical this gets. Because what's Mussolini's most famous quote? The trains least, are running on time. At <laughs> least the trains are running on time. Good now. <laughs> Who just invoked that very phrase a few weeks ago? Joe Biden. Uh, that was Joe. <laughs> he said that after he miraculously, heroically ended the train strike that was taking place. That was already <laughs> our good friend Paul. From disasters in the making. He's in the train biz. Has been for years. Union rep. Knew all the inside stuff. He's like, yeah, this deal was already brokered. They just brought him in for staging to make him and the union heads look good and yada yada. Joe Biden's a hero. But Joe Biden actually said, I got the trains running on time. Mm -hmm. Nobody in the press raised an eyebrow about this. While talking about fascism on the regular. I mean... And this, and th- I, I always go back to this. I will go back to this as often as I, as, as I can. The redefinition of existing words to suit their agenda. They do it constantly. And this is why they're calling this woman a fascist when she's not. Why they call DeSantis a fascist when he isn't. And it, 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 it not only does it water down the actual meaning of the word, People forget what the meaning of the word is. And once they associate it with somebody like DeSantis, the damage is done. That's what they, as in the left, this current administration, uh, liberal Democrats are hoping to succeed in doing, which is why, you know, th- right now there's uh, somebody is actually trying to pass a bill to freeze 
the accounts of, you know, what they would consider domestic terrorists. Well, guess what? The president said that MAGAs are domestic terrorists, basically. So guess what? So I can just see this going to hell really, really quick. But, I mean, you say that it's working, but it really is not. I mean, they they think they're being effective, but ever since Biden's prime time speech that he gave a couple months ago, you know, the, the red background portent speech that he gave, you know, fascism has just been on everybody's tongue since then. They're fascists. That's fascism. By the I mean, way, Brad, I forgot to tell you this. I love the check mark on your name in chat. That is such a chef's kiss touch. <laughs> how did that happen? What do you mean, how did that happen? You put it in there. <laughs> no, actually, you probably didn't. Jeff no, did I did not. It. Who did? Jeff probably did it. Jeff? <laughs> I didn't even Jeff. notice it. <laughs> you did didn't notice know- it? <laughs> no. Okay, Jeff rules. <laughs> funny, gotta say, hey, funny. Hey, hey, I already, I already had to widen the doors when Brad got the check mark. Don't start talking up Jeff. I don't have enough money for contractors right now. <laughs> well, you know what, Jeff? Jeff is so sweet. I we got into a chat about the instrument thing and everything. I could blew me away when he said. After I get a sax, I need to find a flute. Now I'm going, oh, holy shit, I have an extra. F- I literally have an extra flute in my house. <laughs> Who's got extra flutes? I know. It's the weirdest thing. I fall into finding instruments for like five bucks. I'm not even kidding. I paid $5 for the flute. I didn't even know there was a flute. I thought it was just a case. And I was going to... Um, do some ephemera, ephemera and, uh, uh, you know, just altered art inside the case, you know, and, and everything. It was going to be an art project. So I figured, well, it's five bucks for the case. No problem. I take it home. It's kind of heavy. And I figured, well, it's heavy plastic. I didn't think anything of it. But I open it up. There's a fucking flute in it. And I'm like, what the hell am I going to do now? Because I couldn't take the flute out to use the case. I needed, I couldn't just throw away the flute. <laughs> so the flute's been in my house for like five years. <laughs> Okay, Lilo. I know. <laughs> so, so uh, when Jeff mentioned that, I said, "You know what? I actually have a flute. So, if you wanted it, it's yours." <laughs> and now Aggie's on the back deck dancing in a teddy with her flute. <laughs> Video or it's a lie. You leave my lingerie out of. The- I love you, James Madison. <laughs> well, the thing is, I I don't I don't play woodwinds. I only play I, I play strings. I I have a viola. That's what I play. <laughs> There's a clarinet. It's a saxophone. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Oh my god. Okay, and a snare drum. Can't forget the snare drum. But anyway. Uh, that would yeah. be on me, then. I'm good at banging on crap. That's about the extent of my musical talent. <laughs> I'll send you the snare drum. <laughs> See, there, there, he posted the picture of the flute. And I was like, uh, you want it? It's yours? <laughs> Tell it to him for 10 bucks, and you'll double your money right there. Oh, no, I just set that along. I mean, 
the least I can do if that way he doesn't have to worry about getting his the, the flute later on, you know. But I do expect to hear, um, you know, uh, recordings of, of him playing the flute and and the, and the digital sax once he gets it. So I want to see him on stage like Ron Burgundy. <laughs> Flame coming out of the end of it. <laughs> That'd be classic. <laughs> Well, I think we might have uh, wrapped up things there. Did we, did we cover it all? Did we get it all going? I think we did. We overdid it because I went off on a rant on the core cadets. But, uh, but yeah. I yeah, think yeah, I yeah. I think you had your little therapy moment there, though. So good. Save, save somebody from the couch this week. Yeah, yeah. Boy, I hope I sleep well tonight. Tell you what, these smoking Russians are hitting pretty hard right now. <laughs> Yeah, I got to get going anyway. I have to find out uh, what other horrific things Ron DeSantis has done here in Florida, because apparently he's in a lot of trouble for going to Joe Biden and getting hurricane relief. This is Isn't that a, his job? I mean, forgive me, he's governor, right? Politico is upset with him because a month ago he was barking at Joe Biden and now he's going and begging him for money from Joe's wallet, as they described it. I love that so much. The money for Florida hurricane relief came out of Joe's wallet. Uh, I'm sorry. The president's wallet. That really pissed me off. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. That pissed me off. The president doesn't have a wallet. (laughs) It's like, um, uh, hi, uncle Joe. Um, I is really uncomfortable. Um, I need like, I need like $20 billion because I made a real mess of things down here and we got to clean the whole place up before somebody comes home. So uh, can I borrow that please? I'm sure, I'm sure Christina Pushaw actually put them in their place. Oh, she exploded on them. I'm glad <laughs> she's, I mean, she's so epic. She's not even his press secretary anymore. So she's even more off the chain. <laughs> she's like, I think your response to him, and this is Matt Dixon, the Politico complete hack. The first words that she wrote were, what is the matter with you? (laughs) And it's so true. It's like, how dare these guys put politics aside and act like decent human beings in order to help people in a hurricane? (laughs) They cannot do it. They cannot do it. Had had the hurricane hit New Jersey, you know, they'd be all over that. But it hit a red state. And it's like I've been saying what I seem to recall when the hurricane hit and things went sideways. It was the president's. Fault. Oh, wait, that was Bush because he was a Republican. Now, uh-huh. Joe Biden's not responsible. So we have to go to the Republican governor and blame him. Funny thing, though, he was first like a week or two ago. They said DeSantis didn't do anything. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I've been watching the Weather Channel. And the guy's mug was all over the place every hour I saw him. Um, so they went from he wasn't giving any conferences and didn't do any preparation and then he cnn is interviewing him in the disaster zone that he's supposedly not in and conducted a woman on the street interview was like well you know all the preparation took place in tampa but not here in lee county he's like well that's because of the projections and stuff she's like yeah but you did the evacuations in in tampa and the sarasota area and the neighboring counties but not in lee county 
I was like, okay, can we I, back up a bit? Because two days ago you said he didn't do anything and did no preparation and gave nobody evacuation notices. Now he gave the wrong people evacuation notices. And the thing is, oh my God, FEMA, first letter, federal, and the National Hurricane Service, national, meaning federal, mm-hmm. federal. They were both predicting the storm to go to Tampa, which is why everybody was in Tampa, including CNN, mind you. As, as he correctly pointed out, she said, uh, you know, why, why were you preparing in Tampa? He's like, well, why were you guys in Tampa? Because <laughs> everybody thought it was hitting Tampa. I mean, it's just, that's how stupid this is getting now. And it, it's just remarkable to watch. But now Joe Biden's free and clear. No responsibility from the White House at all in a hurricane. Unless something good happens. And then, oh, thank God, Joe Biden's here because he's sending FEMA down because that's their job. <laughs> Just amazing. Just amazing. But I got to be honest, this is the most prepared I've ever seen in this state for a hurricane. We had 40,000 plus electrical trucks from out of state in Florida before landfall. <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, we're used to seeing like those convoys, you know, pouring in after the fact, coming over. They're in from South Carolina, this group from Arkansas, you know, that kind of thing. They had an overhead, like a helicopter shot of all of these trucks in the staging area lined up, just row after row of them. It was amazing. National Guard was here ahead of time. They were throwing supplies like crazy to Tampa. And he even said, we started shipping them down south as soon as the track changed. So shut the hell up. You know, there's no perfect there response to a hurricane. But. No, no, there there isn't, and it's it's a it's a disservice when you attempt to say that there is the perfect response to a. a you can't predict where the hurricane's going to fall. Now, admittedly, I'd rather go through a hurricane than a tornado or an earthquake, simply because you do have time to prepare. But there's only so much preparing you can do. You cannot, um, you can't estimate how the, the the force of the winds, the you know, you can't uh, predict the debris that's going to be falling. Uh, you can't predict a lot of the stuff once the hurricane well, does land. Only problem there, though, is a lot of people don't realize this, but hurricanes spin off a crap ton of tornadoes. They do, and that's. We, uh, and- the night before landfall, when one of the bands came through my area, we had a touchdown. It was about, I don't know, five or ten miles There's, from here. It, it, you have no idea how many water spots are actually in the path of the tornado as it's coming in to land. I mean, there, there are a lot of things that you don't know. So it's very disingenuous to say, oh, you know, that the, the, there's a perfect way to, to deal with the hurricane. And no, there isn't. It's an act of God for a reason. You cannot prepare for an act of God. There's, it's never going to be perfect. <laughs> so. But it's just, it, it tells you everything that they have to keep changing the criticism. Button. Oh, he didn't do anything on this Friday. It was like, yeah, it checked it. Oh, they, they were complaining because of the flight to Martha's Vineyard. He was more concerned about that than he was a hurricane. Yeah, day of the flight, it was a thunderstorm over the dry Tortugas or something. No, not even further south, like the Cleveland mm-hmm. Islands or something. It was not even a named storm until a week after the flight. So shit up. But uh, it's just, 
you know, just just listen to the the complaints. Basically, what it is, I've said on my uh, podcast, they're they're looking for a problem to point to because the other hand is already pointed at DeSantis. They just haven't found the exact problem yet. So <laughs> that's what I'm watching take place. It's amazing. All right, we should scoop. All um, right, yes, we should. We're close to like half an hour past our bedtime. <laughs> well, not cut off. Never time. happens. Never happens. <laughs> All right, you go first since you have a lot to say. Where can we find you, Brad? <laughs> Bush. I can be found on a daily basis over at townhall.com, the VIP section. My daily column there is called Rift from the Headlines. Also, a regular feature at Red State front page where I've got my dipsology column. I should have one of those cropping up soon. I think I've got a brand new Pulitzer column went up today. I've got my podcast going up tomorrow liable sources where i rip into the media even more and you can hear more of me this very network thursday night already packard is indispensable so or no wait he's not dispensed he's predisposed he's already ain't here so he's not no no i get sick of his stuff he's like you know what you need to you need to go fix things you need to go take care of yourself before i'm ready to deal with you on the show you just go he's got a doctor appointment out of town so oh jeff okay. jeff will be sitting in his stand. oh very cool very cool oh. i i i have i have opinions so i'll be there <laughs> <laughs> yes there will be lord of the rings coverage i'm sure i am sure i mean i feel for jeff having like five six seven pages for each episode <laughs> Yeah, he, he one or two pages is all we need Thursday. There's other stuff. Oh yeah, and by the way, Jeff, you got to go out and watch the gay movie as opposed to show prep. Oh, that's where I have my that's where I have my uh, my opinion. So I'll be chiming in chat for that. <laughs> Trust me, I got opinions. That'll be on Thursday evening at eight and a half as we do the culture shift, our entertainment news site. Alternate Thursdays, I am here with Paul Young from ScreenRant.com. Mm-hmm. As we go through the dark side of Hollywood and bad movies on disasters in the making. And then if you need more of me than that, and let's face it, you do. If you head over to Twitter, you can see me at Martini Shark, at Liable Sources, also at Instagram, at Truth, at Parlor, wherever else I whore around, stuff like that. So what about you, <laughs> Aggie? Where can we find more of your magnificence? Well, you can find me at Aggie Rican and at Aggie the Barkeep over on Twitter. I'm also on Getter, Minds, Mewe. I don't know where I'm at anymore. <laughs> I'm a little sauced. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, you can also find me 8.45 p.m. Eastern, Tuesday nights, right here doing the Cocktail Lounge with you, of course. Uh, and uh, Friday nights, Mickey is back so we are doing he said she said 8 30 p.m and every so often i will be co-hosting with rick i'm his um i'm his alternate i'm so excited i'm so excited whenever jen can't do her show i'm gonna be substituting for jen so i'll be on with rick um thursday nights whenever he needs me so i'm jazzed about that i was like yay i get my philip rick yay You probably should try to stay sober for him. Just a recommendation. Uh, listen, you're not my dad. He, he can't tolerate you like I can. I'm just saying. You're not my dad. <laughs> hey, we worked together for months. I like drunk Aggie. Just saying. 
<laughs> Everybody likes drunk Aggie. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in, you guys. <laughs> Raise a glass and look at the ceiling. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.